Any opinions expressed are my own and do not reflect the opinions of anyone outside of Independent Left Media, LLC. Independentleft.news. Independent Left News. Indie Left News. Independent Left News. Oh, yeah, and I get news from Independent Left. Thank you, Independent Left.news. They actually put up posts of different shows, different things going on. Check out Indie Left. They're doing a lot of good things. They're on Twitter and Instagram, and they've helped promote our show a lot. Thanks for the work you do behind the scenes, too. This man does our Discord and some other help, so I just love to shout him out. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. They kind of really do a great job of pushing. Thank you, Independent Left, for reminding me of that. Check out independentleft.news. Indie Left shout out. And what's going on, Ron Placone? Thank you so much. Shout out to you too, brother. It is Sunday night. It is How Do We Miss That? It is Bird, and it is Reef with a big microphone in front of his head. What's going on, dude? Ah, there what? he is. Looking for brush. Which I uh, nice, okay. Uh, how are you, everybody? Uh, so again, how do we miss that? Independent Left News, as you guys know. Leftist.today is our Substack. We're streaming there. We're streaming at independentleft.news. We're streaming on eight platforms. We stream everywhere. We also have a podcast, so if you check it out on Spotify or on Amazon or Apple Music, you can look up Leftist.today. You can look up How Did We Miss That, and you'll be able to find us there. You'll notice my voice is a little funny tonight. I had a little thing with my uh, with my throat this week, so I'm here. I'm 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 playing hurt, but we're good and we're ready to go. And I'm excited to be here and do these stories with you. Um, how you doing, Reef? Mm. I'm doing all right. How are you, fam? Did you find your brush? Here. Um, I uh, finding things with me is difficult. Yes. Um, but I have. This is why I have duplicates of things usually. Um, Wonderful. Five. Okay. So um, <clears throat> we had a bunch of crazy stories this week. Uh, we tried to find a few in independentleft.news and from leftist.today. So I'll do my little spiel. Actually, I don't even have that brought up. So welcome everybody to How Do We Miss That? How Do We Miss That is a show airing on eight platforms. That's YouTube and Rockfin and Rumble on INN Rumble. INN, shout out to Rumble. They're great. Odyssey, we're, we're live on Odyssey. We're live on my Telegram, t.me slash indleftmedia. Okay, we are live on Twitch. We are live on Facebook. We are live on YouTube. We are live on Twitter. And we're live on all those platforms for both INN and Independent Left News. Uh, we're also live on our Substack. You can see that in the description. That's, uh, th that's independentleftnews.substack.com. And you can go there and see all the episode notes, all the links to all the articles that we're going to see, all the links to all the different channels to find us everywhere, as well as to INN and all of our family over there. Again, we are members of INN Indie News Network. They are a collaborative family network of 23 different content creators that make podcasts, that make substacks, that make YouTube videos, that make everything under the sun. And uh, love them to death. Thank you so much. Wouldn't be here. Uh, without some of the, the support staff behind us. Uh, thumbnail tonight was made by Big Mad Crab Greg. We've got our editor, Fanto. We've got Ed Heller, uh, our, our volcano, bacon-loving friend in the chats. We've got Chris over on the Twitters and the YouTubes. Same thing with, with Fred Edward. So shout out to everybody. Thank you so much for making this all happen. And of course, thank, thank you to our patrons, and you'll see all their names scrolling along the bottom. Um, so yeah, we're three minutes in, so let's, let's get to a story. What do you, what do you say, man? Mm. All right. So let's, 
Let's go to Indy Maine. Okay. Care Bears here. Eric Red. Nice. Thank you. All right. So, oh, you know what? I didn't even put the episode thumbnail in there. Look at that. Slipping, 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 Indy. All right. First story. Equifax whistleblower says that he was fired after exposing fraud related to consumer complaints. So we got whistleblowers getting fired. I think we've seen that quite a bit um, this year, last year. You know, it seems to happen when Democrats go into office. It's pretty interesting. Jeez. Uh, so our friend Kevin Gostola writes this for The Dissenter, which is kind of an offshoot of Shadowproof. I'm a subscriber to The Dissenter. It focuses more on whistleblowers, on prison uh, riots and, and prison treatment, and, of course, on Julian Assange and press freedom. So we've got our screenshot on Equifax. So... This guy named Stephen Leary, who's a whistleblower for the credit reporting agency Equifax, right, says he's fired after refusing to submit fraudulent data about consumer complaints to a U.S. government agency. What? Yep. Mm. So he filed a lawsuit in federal court in Atlanta, where Equifax is headquartered. It alleges that they violated a section of the Consumer Financial Protection Act, which, which protects employees of consumer reporting agencies from this type of retaliation. So, quote, this case about a company punishing a dedicated employee for refusing to play ball when it tried to cover up its regulatory violations that placed the financial security of everyday Americans in jeopardy, the complaint declares. Now, Equifax garnered a notorious reputation in 2017 after they had a massive data breach, after a massive data breach com compromised the personal data of more than 145 million Americans, as well as thousands of Canadians and nearly a million citizens in the United Kingdom, too. I didn't know that. The company's, mm -hmm. outreach, company's outreach to the public was viewed as haphazard, ill-conceived, and a quote-unquote dumpster fire. <laughs> I know a guy that puts up some dumpster fire memes, right? Quite a few of them. <laughs> Employees at the credit reporting uh, company were charged by U.S. prosecutors with insider trading. Nice. When staff at Equifax were supposed yep. to... Uh, protect citizens from the worst impacts of the breach, several individuals were more concerned about how the scandal would affect the value of their stock options. <laughs> yep. So, in the complaint, he's described as an experienced compliance professional and a licensed attorney in Florida. He worked at Equifax in Atlanta as an auditor from 2018 to 2020, responsible for compliance uh, assessments that were mandated by the CFPB. Is the CFPB again? Oh, it said there. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. That's Elizabeth Warren's baby That's agency. It. Okay. Yep. Uh, that that uh, Richard Cordray ended up running for years, and then Trump ran it into the ground and appointed a complete clown to, I think, in the end, Mick Mulvaney ended up running it while he was chief of staff. Right. All right. Um, it apparently uh, it was apparently part of Leary's job to ensure the credit reports, which American families depend on to purchase homes, rent apartments, purchase cars, and obtain small business loans and credit cards were fair and accurate, right? Well, that's kind of an important job. While testing Equifax's consumer complaints program, Leary found that, uh, claims he found Equifax was not identifying, tracking, and reporting the vast majority of complaints to the CFPB. Uh, that's not right. good, right? Throughout the nope. latter part of 2018, he maintains that he showed the compliance violations to Equifax's upper management, particularly Shannon Anderson, who was vice president and quality manager of customer operations, and this other woman, Adele Fields, who was senior SVP of the company's deputy chief compliance officer. 
Oh, she also was. They, she had two roles. Anderson and Fields allegedly tried to, quote, bury the results and told them that Equifax should report false information to appease the CFPB. Leary, along with a colleague, went that ahead. Sound good. No, it doesn't sound good. But instead, he went ahead and published the findings as required by the CFPB. He, his colleague was immediately fired. And on May 14, 2020, he claims Equifax took many of the job responsibilities he had away from him and put him on a performance improvement plan, or a PIP, which included nebulous requirements such as the demand that he improve his tone and that he provide evidence that he did not have an us versus them mentality when it came to himself and the company. That's called managing you out, by the way. Leary later okay. learned in June that Equifax had allegedly covered up his findings and provided false information to the CFPB. That led CFPAB to correctly con incorrectly conclude that the company had violated the law by not conducting a proper compliance audit. So they basically hung this on him and then got that they mm. got in trouble for, for doing something that they actually did. He contacted the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau with his original work, which alerted the Bureau to the fact that Equifax had lied about an audit. It also put them on notice that Equifax had concealed information they were supposed to share with the oversight agency. He told the CFPB that Equifax had a pattern of covering up violations and punishing employees like him who opposed it. Once the Bureau communicated with Equifax about the allegations, Management knew the Bureau had learned about their fraud from Leary, and he was subject to retaliation. We see this a lot in corporate America. This is why people stay silent. Leary complained about the mistreatment to the Human Resources Department. However, his objections were ignored, and he got fired on July 6th. The lawsuit seeks a judgment against Equifax that indicates the company violated his whistleblower rights by firing him after he contacted CFPP. Leary also would like back pay and lost benefits, damages, and front pay or reinstatement to his job. Why he would ever want to go back to Equifax yep. and do that job again, I have no idea. I don't either. Equifax, I mean, the only thing he's trained it. sure. Yeah, but there's other credit companies. Um, there's there's got to be other jobs. I yeah. mean, come on. Equifax deceived the public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem is, is that now he's known as a whistleblower. Nobody wants to hire him. All right. Equifax right. deceived the public when the massive data breach at their company was reported. They suggested that consumer data was accessed when, in fact, it became clear during a congressional meeting that data was stolen from citizens. The company had yep. the ability to notify every single consumer that their data was compromised. Only two and a half million Americans were immediately informed that Equifax suffered a breach. Let me guess, those are the ones that had the most money. <laughs> According to a Senate investigation, Equifax manipulated a loophole in federal procurement law to force the IRS to award the company a contract in June 2017 after the breach. The company cheated Crazy. taxpayers out of millions of dollars. And on top of raising prices, they charged consumers to freeze their credit until a backlash shamed them into offering a temporary free service. Are you kidding me? The same Senate... Wait, the same Senate investigation highlighted how credit reporting companies like Equifax, quote, obtain and use massive amounts of data on millions of consumers, but consumers have little to no power over how this data is collected, how it's used, or how it's kept safe, unquote. Of course, we know that. Equifax yep. has coerced consumers to pay for products if they really want to protect their data, rather than offer free services that include real privacy protection. That reminds me of, like, LifeLock. All of which makes the alleged right. fraud exposed by Leary even more troubling. The fact that Equifax is lying to the U.S. government about consumer complaints 
suggests that they're still engaged in some of the exploit the same exploitative business practices which were challenged after the data breach in 2017. Yeah. The man the legend, Kevin Gastola. Shadowproof. Gastoler. 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 He's a good one. So whistleblowers is kind of a theme tonight. Uh let's go back. Kevin yeah. Gastola. So again, support the dissenter, support Shadowproof. Subscribe to Kevin Gastola wherever you can. Ke at, at uh underscore, I think I think it's a K Gastola or Kevin Gastola. G O S C. You see his name up there. He's a kick-ass journalist, right. man. He writes great stuff. He covers again prison stuff. He covers whistleblowers. He covers Assange. He's covered the Daniel Hale trial trial and stuff extensively. Um, big fan. He's a good dude. Uh, okay, so. All right, first story. So let's check out some chat. What's going on? All right, we got Yipper. Hide, hide, ho. E. Heller. Yes, we will drop Congress into a volcano sooner rather than later. Wait, I see Colin. Colin must be chilling over on INN. Yo. Care Bears. Care Bears. Bouncing here and there and there. Oh, that's Gummy Bears. Uh, is that a comb on Reese Mike? If yes. anyone can make... Actually, Eric, that's an Afro pick on Reese Mike, if you really want to get specific. We ain't found beards. shit. Oh, see that? And he even says so. Yes, for detangling beards. That mm, just yep. reminds me of Spaceballs. The Data we Mafia. 100%, shit. man. Equifax is definitely a Data Mafia. It's a jack. That whole life lock thing, they manage yeah, they managed to be worse than bankers. Gostoler. Yeah. Gostola. Yeah, credit reporting companies are garbage. Got rid of my credit, just use credit card. I'm I, I run I run everything I credit. I don't carry cash in my hand. Um I deb debit. I, I would go debit every fucking day of the week and never have credit because it just seems like a bad move. You know? Yep. Uh, okay, so I would like to share Ronwell, my buddy Ronwell, over uh, on the Discord. Hello? He just, Ronwell, Nogales, just messaged me, and I have to tell him, hey, we're live, dude. Uh, so come on over and chill out. Uh, we got some more stories to do. A couple more. Next one's kind of a long one, but it's super, super important, and I really want to get to it. So, and nobody I heard talking about this. No, we're not allowed. All right. This is from a guy named Jeffrey Sterling. He was publishing Common Dreams about a week ago. <clears throat> the CIA whistleblower reflects on the persecution of Julian Assange. This dude worked for the CIA, so we're going to take some of what he says with a grain to a point. Okay? But right. it's really important his perspective. Why? Because he was a CIA whistleblower. He actually spent time, and you'll hear exactly why in a minute. Okay. This affront to accountability, press freedom, and freedom of speech is on stage for the entire world to see, yet I wonder who's paying attention. Yeah. It's difficult to talk about happenings in the world other than the continued appalling Russian invasion of Ukraine again, and the recent mass shootings in Buffalo, Uvalde, Chicagoland, and elsewhere. Then there's a Supreme Court, which continues down a judicial road of eroding personal rights and towing the conservative party line. I don't want to take attention away from these outrages. However, the shadow of one tragedy is not dispelled by the light of another. 
I continue to have a passion to shed light on and right the wrongs of the Espionage Act and how the United States government is using it to target not only whistleblowers, but also anyone who dares reveal its transgressions and illegalities. I was extremely honored to participate in the Belmarsh Tribunal, which, in addition to calling for the closure of Guantanamo Bay, also decried the international disgrace that is the potential extradition of Julian Assange. This affront to accountability, press freedom, and freedom of speech is on stage for the entire world to see, yet I wonder who is paying attention, like he said before. Yep. What has been happening to Assange is the very definition of complicity between two countries to jointly undermine accountability and freedom of speech. Assange has been held in since 29, April 2019 in 2019 in Belmarsh Prison, April 11th, as a matter of fact, which is what many call the United Kingdom's version of our supermax. He's been held in solitary confinement yeah. for every moment of every day at Belmarsh, while the U.S. makes an incredible effort to have him extradited to face charges of violating the Espionage Act. The U.K. courts have been all too obliging by issuing rulings with no support in truth that Assange can and should be extradited, and in a final blow to demonstrate its willingness to be the puppet government that the U.S. needs to continue its Espionage Act campaign of terror, on June 17th, Priti Patel, the U.K. Home Secretary, certified Assange's extradition, clearing the way for Assange to be turned over to the United States. Assange is appealing, but given U.K. reticence, it's only a matter of time until he will find himself as Sterling did in the Alexandria jail, being charged with violating the Espionage Act. Yep. What I found quite disturbing is that the UK courts and, and the Home Secretary have been all too willing to play the dutiful puppets to their US handlers. When I was in CIA, a handler was the person was, who manages every aspect of an asset's life that's necessary and helpful for the purpose of collecting intelligence. Sometimes, it's necessary for handling to be to, for a handler to be nebulous or downright lie to an asset to keep focus on the objective. If the handler gets what he wants, that's all that matters. The U.S. has handled the U.K. legal system and government officials very astutely. The U.K. has believed the lies being championed by the U.S. ranging from characterizing Assange as a national security threat and spy to touting a safe and supportive environment Assange will face in U.S. prisons. Yet the real purpose is to prosecute Makes Assange sense. under the Espionage Act. Mm -hmm. The real purpose is to prosecute Assange under the Espionage Act for political and vengeful reasons. UK courts have found every reason what? not to challenge the merits of the US case against Assange. And the UK government has followed suit. The US handling of the UK should be considered the epitome of utilizing sources and methods to achieve an objective without the asset knowing what it is actually what is actually being accomplished. But the UK doesn't exactly have clean hands in this tra travesty. Hell no. The UK version of the Espionage Act is the Official Secrets Act, enacted in 1911, which also deals with ostensibly protecting state secrets. The very UK official who signed off on Assange's extradition has proposed sweeping new reforms which prescribe harsher punishments for journalists and their sources. Under the reforms, the UK government will, quote, not consider that there is necessarily a distinction in severity between espionage and the most serious unauthorized disclosures, unquote. That is really frightening. 
Just like the Espionage Act. I mean, just unreal. Just like the Espionage Act. Complete deference is given to the government to define what is considered serious disclosures. Just like the 1917 American version. The original objective was to fight espionage designed to assist the country's foreign enemies. Over time, both acts have evolved as tools to quash. One must wonder which of the countries came up with the idea to use either law to hide government transgressions by silencing whistleblowers. Seems the U.S. and U.K. are feeding off one another's ever-expanding objective to not be held accountable for its illegal actions by feigning imagined threats to national security. Indeed, what's been happening to Assange is the very definition of complicity between two countries to jointly undermine accountability and freedom of speech. I would also add, don't forget about Australia. It's actually three countries because his home country is just as complicit, if not more. Yep. Sterling's goal with the Project for Accountability of the Roots Action Education Fund has been to shed light on government wrongdoings and illegalities as well as demand the accountability from those in power. What's happening with Assange is government running amok over and through the law to reach those who would expose the truth. But who should such a call for accountability be directed to? Unfettered power infects from the top down. Joe Biden should not only answer for, but also explain the purpose and intent for seeking to try Julian Assange for breaking U.S. law. Yet, as a member of the Obama administration that ignited the firestorm that's been the UC the Espionage Act to punish whistleblowers and avoid truth, he's somewhat been expectedly silent. He should not be yeah, able to hide. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Dementia. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy who definitely made more. Well, I mean, Joe and Obama definitely made whistleblowers like much more illegal to be, you know, like yep. in general. So, okay. You so. Know. He should not be behind, be able to hide behind any sort of plausible deniability because he was not in charge at the time. And what about <laughs> Kamala Harris? Kamala. Mm-hmm. Hasn't she touted a record of supporting protection for whistleblowers? You mean putting, you mean putting sure. drug drug offenders in jail? Yeah, true, but, the truancy officer, Kamala, mm-hmm. right. totally wouldn't have anything bad to do legally, mm-hmm. you know? Seems the like way to power innocent people the death penalty. Sorry, what? Yeah, it seems uh, the lead, the weight of power, lack of accountability, have a debilitating effect on conscience. The same inquiry should be made upon the mainstream media. Their lack of interest and silence on the on, on Assange are disturbing. Possibly out of self-preservation, the media are holding on to a misconception that they are not the same as Assange. That that Assange is not a reporter, because he's not. You clown. He's a fucking publisher. He's a publisher only the arrogance of an egoist would refuse to acknowledge a clear and present danger to press freedom and free speech that's correct maybe what happened Mm -hmm. during my persecution holds an but yeah maybe what happened during my persecution holds an answer when when the reporter jim risen who's himself now an intercept shit lib was in danger of being called to the stand and threatened with jail if he didn't testify the mainstream media mobilized to protect one of their own. Well, we know why, because it's a blue check. Once the danger yeah. was over, so is the interest. Much like in my situation, self-preservation will prevent the media from raising a voice. They should understand that if Assange is extradited and convicted, there will be nothing to stop any reporter anywhere from being charged under the Espionage Act for merely reporting about government wrongdoing. 
We've been screaming this forever. Misty. God, Misty and I have had yep. extensive conversations about this. Their silence, much to their own eventual detriment, is empowering the, the continued illegal use of the Espionage Act. But there's been a promising development. Okay, Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. Representative Rashida Tlaib has proposed Espionage Act reforms that would require the U.S. to provide a specific intent to harm the U.S., allow a defendant to testify about their purpose in revealing information, and create an affirmative defense for, for the revolutions in the public interest, among other reforms. This mm -hmm. is a momentous opportunity for accountability and transparency to return to the rubric of governance. That sounds like a whole bunch of crap. He wholeheartedly supports yep. Representative Tlaib's efforts, and as should we all. Well, okay, great. He is thankful for the support that he's received through the Project for Accountability. It helped him find a purpose that he didn't know he needed. Over the years, he'd been speaking and writing on behalf of whistleblowers and decrying the Espionage Act as a tool of revenge. Assange's extradition will be a pinnacle moment for accountability. The U.S. must be called out on its vendetta against Assange and whistleblowers in general. The media and an entire government have refused to make that call, but he will not. And I appreciate that. He's been where Assange is going. He does not wish that on anyone, including the prosecutors that wrongfully tried him and the jury that wrongfully convicted him. So, this is who Jeffrey Sterling is. He's a former CIA case officer himself. So, again, taking all of this, and what did he do with the agency, including the Iran ta Task Force, for nearly a decade? He filed an, an employment discrimination suit against CIA, but the case was dismissed as threat to national security. Two and a half years he served in prison for being convicted of violating the Espionage Act. No incriminating evidence was produced at trial, and Sterling continues to profess his, his innocence. His memoir, Unwanted Spy, the Persecution of an American Whistleblower, was published in late 2019. Mm-hmm. Free Julian right. Assange, free Julian Assange, free Julian Assange. Stasevich, 24. Yes, Eric. And I actually have the CIA. That, I actually have yeah. that, that clip. Sabi interviewed an independent candidate running for president in 2024. And uh, so, yeah, I put that in today's newsletter. She clipped it up and she put that out today. Nice. yesterday so that was the longest story that i had uh it took uh good not not too too long um i got a couple yep. more the next one it's not that that big what the next one's going to be a little bit of a, a gut punch but before we get to that yeah let's let, let's see what the what the chat had to say about that vault seven hell yeah eric vault seven you know I don't know why Valerie's only the only female here. Well, actually, Kelly's here. Yeah, that's right. And and usually Noli's somewhere. She's usually chilling out on Twitch somewhere. RLA usually checks in mm -hmm. at some point. We got Radical Leftist Agenda. Um, who else checks in? There's other women, hopefully. Misty's ch checked in, too. Anyway. Misty checks in frequently, yeah. Um, yeah, Kamala, Kamala lock you up for truancy. Oh, Craig Murray is over on... On Facebook, well, he'll probably pop over here on on the YouTube's. Welcome, Craig. Good to see you again. So again, couple more stories. Let's go back to the do 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 do. Indy Maine. 
this is this is a story that just really gets me super upset. New York City Special Education Recovery Services Program to be scaled back this fall. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember who shared this. This so, is a, yeah. This is from Chalkbeat New York. I mean, all the kids who need the most help. Great. Yeah. And it's and it's not even just like a little bit. Watch this. In response to pandemic disruptions, New York City officials required every school to offer special education services last year outside regular hours to any family who wanted them. All right, so this is called the SEED program, Sensory Exploration, Education, and Discovery. This is a photo, obviously, of some of the kids. And the, the photo yeah. was taken by the, the author of the, the piece himself, Alex Zimmerman. Was that won't like be the case. Lego tire? That was it? It might have been. It's a tire swing of some kind. It's like a weird plastic, like the thing in front of them. Oh no, that's not a Lego it's tire. Like a it's trash like can. A, yeah, I, I think it might be a trash can. <laughs> or or it could be a toy, a sensory toy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this coming school year, education officials, uh, the education department is vowing to determine what extra instruction or therapies children may need and individual basis decisions that will be left to teams the teams that will that, that set students individualized education programs known as ieps that well, sounds like it's a good thing right extra small group instruction yeah. or related services such as physical and occupational therapy may be provided after school on saturdays during the school day or through a voucher for students the city determines need extra help officials said City's also expanding a new program for students with significant sensory issues, which has been popular with some parents. It launched at 70 new sites this fall, up from 10. Okay, that's great. The Education Department is setting aside $100 million for those extra services, down from roughly $200 million last year, according to city officials. Last year's recovery program was delayed for several months after the school year started. Schools struggled to attract staff to work the extra hours, and the vast majority of students did not participate. Though officials have yet to provide a final tally, the program earned mixed reviews from parents and educators. There were many unanswered questions about how this year's program will operate, including which students will be eligible, when parents will be informed of how they can access extra services, who will be responsible for, for providing them, and even when they'll begin. City officials didn't say if they'll provide yellow bus service for programs that'll be provided outside of the regular school day. A major roadblock to participation last school year. Yeah. But, like, <clears throat> what are we doing here? Quote, to the outward-facing part of the world, it's very last minute, said Maggie Moroff, a special education policy expert at the Nonprofit Advocates for Children. It's hard for me to imagine, if this hasn't been communicated to the schools yet, how it's going to play out successfully. And it hasn't. Yep. Students with disabilities have a legal right to compensatory services if their school does not provide all the specialized instruction or therapies included in their IAP. And a significant of sh share of students with disabilities missed out on special education instruction or therapies that were difficult or impossible to provide during remote learning or as staff was stretched thin. But Successfully advocating for compensatory services can be time-consuming and require legal help. If the district does not agree to provide those extra services, families can go through an administrative legal process to compel the city to provide them, 
though that process is complex and has faced extreme backlogs that often stretch many months. And meanwhile, these kids just sit there twisting. And the parents, too. Yep. Ad advocates for children filed a lawsuit in, able, in an effort to force the city to create a more streamlined process, though that suit has not been successful so far. The city's promise to assess whether students with disabilities need these extra compensatory services could signal that, that they will be easier to get without going through cumbersome processes, though it's unclear how generous the city will be in recommending additional support. Quote, this administration is committed to course correcting any pandemic-related learning loss for our most vulnerable students and expanding access to critical programs that address unique individual needs. Nicole Brownstein, an education department spokeswoman, wrote in an email. She added that extra services will be available on Saturdays at multiple sites in every borough. How are they going to do that, cutting the funding in half? Yeah. Even if the city instructs schools to provide more compensatory services, she noted that many students aren't scheduled to have an IEP meeting until the spring, raising questions about how quickly students will even have access to extra help. Dude, it's the summertime. You're talking nine months from now. Are you kidding me? Yeah. If a student's last IEP happened last April, they're not regularly scheduled April. for an IEP. Did I see April? April, yes. Until see. next April. Yeah. Well, sure, a family could ask, but that's just the burden onto the family. Like, shouldn't that happen to begin the school year? Bronx mom, Damaris Rodriguez, said she's eager to learn if her 12-year-old son, Malik, who's on the autism spectrum, might be eligible for services when they might be provided. Malik missed some of his speech and occupational therapy sessions during the pandemic because they conflicted with remote instruction. She said extra services could help yep. him self-regulate when he's feeling antsy, work on reading comprehension skills, and even learn how to share his feelings with peers and teachers. I think a lot of people can relate. Yep. Malik, Malik has, has faced a lot of different challenges emotionally in terms of expressing himself, whereas pre-pandemic he was able to talk or open up. But she's also mm -hmm. wary of the department's special education recovery programs. She's wary. Um, last year, she pulled him out of the recovery program after a month because he wasn't receiving the therapy she believed he needed. Figuring out transportation without yellow bus service was a challenge. Rodriguez said uh, she's frustrated that the city hasn't communicated more clearly to parents what extra services to expect this school year and when they'll be provided but she's setting up extra activities like basketball that might conflict with Saturday special education programs. Again, they've they've got to make a decision. They've got to get their kids in, in you know enrolled in stuff. So she says, mm -hmm. well, I have to tell my son that he can't play basketball because it falls on Saturdays. When are you going to let parents know? It's yeah. uh, the most vulnerable kids are the ones who end up suffering the most. And yep. <clears throat> Yeah, John Kemper. Some some schools still trying to mask kids and keep six six feet apart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dead planet don't uh, care. I mean, yeah. With 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 everyone with like, I mean, I feel you, human love solidarity, but also there's a reason why that thing's dying. You yep. know. Yep. Yep. Like, um. It's all these little, it's like death by a thousand cuts. It's all these little, like, you know, little things that begin to add up, like not getting educational support and, 
not like you know you're you're making those parents work you know three jobs just to afford to a roof over the kid's head and then on top of that now that kid doesn't have the services that child needs you know like so i'm sorry that funding had to go to you know ukraine so yeah thanks thanks for that uh, Joe. that's always fun thanks joe I wonder, how, I wonder how much state funding went there too. You know, like you I get to, fun, um, uh, like funding that would have been yeah, out, oh, like, like like literally like states sending money over like also if, not just federal. Right. I don't know. Right, like I'm sure that might have happened. Like in a few, California might have done it. Hmm. You know, like decided to send some of their state profit over. Maybe. Um, who knows. All right, we got one more story to do, and then um, we can get to some boats and some fun. Okay. And this one is a speech that was written by Mike Pappas for the March for Medicare for All. <clears throat> um, right. I'm going to read it. I'm also going to drop a link to it in the chat um, because it's recorded. It's on Real Progressives. Uh, they recorded all of the speeches from March for Medicare for All, I also want to give a big shout out to Ford Fisher and News to Share for their coverage of the March of Medicare for All. They were out there on the ground covering every action every day. And we're going to show you what some of those actions were after we go through the story and through Mike's speech, because I thought it was really important. And again, not going to agree with everything in it, just like I didn't agree with a lot of the Jeffrey Sterling stuff. Um, I thought it was important that somebody from the Intel community by the way, had something to say about Julian Assange, which is why I wanted to cover that story. But again, March for Medicare for All, yeah. folks. Um, so, our movement is the cure. Fighting for health care means fighting for socialism. And this is in Left Voice, which mm. is a socialist uh, website and, and socialist news organization. I'm a big fan. I cover a lot of their stuff. So... Mike wrote this speech, and he's going to say here, On July 30th, activists marched and rallied in Washington, D.C., calling for a more humane health care system. Physician and Left Voice member Mike Pappas spoke at that rally about how capitalism and health are incompatible. Below is a text from his speech. And there's Mike standing on stage at March for Medicare for All in front of Congress. And again, shout out to all the organizers that put all that time and effort together into making all this a reality and having a an on-the-ground week of actions to shine a light on the fact that we really need Medicare for all. And Mike, that's a kick-ass t-shirt. I want one of those. All right. So he says, hi, everyone. My nickname is Mike, and I'm a healthcare worker in New York City. I work at the nation's first overdose prevention center at a psychedelic med medicine clinic. For this, worked nope. in both a federally qualified health center and a hospital in New York. He's also a member of Left Voice, a revolutionary socialist group with a publication that's part of an international network of news sites. Start out, and this should be not no surprise to anyone, but just in case I'm going to really be blunt and make things clear, our healthcare system is a piece of shit that doesn't remotely foster health or well-being. I was working at a hospital at the start of COVID-19 and saw this firsthand every day. It was made even clearer as the pandemic progressed. I watched as COVID-19 was allowed to spread throughout the population and people were sent back to work despite the lack of safety. Pandemic clearly showed that the public health system in this country 
if we even want to pretend we have one, exists to maintain health just enough so that people's bodies can, can hold up to be exploited. This is because our labor is what makes things run, and our labor is what makes certain people in a society a whole lot of money. Yeah, they're profiting off our bodies. That's exactly right. what he's saying. He mm -hmm. mentioned that he now works at an overdose prevention center in New York. Every day he's working with poor and often homeless patients. Their suffering is a direct result of society that, that prioritizes profit accumulation over health. The plight of the patients he works with does not have to exist. We do not have to live in a world where patients come to see him with literal maggots eating away at wounds on their legs. We can provide everyone with housing, food, health care, etc. But the, the society we live in creates a hierarchy that ultimately benefits the ruling class and the system itself. There needs to be poverty, inequality, and vast suffering in order to maintain this system. We need people living on the streets yeah. or people struggling to pay their rent or buy their groceries so that walking, breathing, human-sized pieces of fecal matter like Jeff Bezos or other billionaire shithead can have 15 yachts and buy a 10th mansion. mansion. Um, Betsy DeVos, what? Yep. Under capitalism, as our bodies deteriorate because of the various forms of violence inflicted at the individual, societal, and ecological level, the system finds ways to profit even from this. Our healthcare system today exists to extract monetary value from those bodies damaged by capitalism. Under this system, once we're old, disabled, or undergoing any condition that keeps us from selling our labor, we're thrown to the side. Under the system, we're valued only for the money we can make for the ruling class. And I got to stop yep. right there. There's someone who I want to shout out, and she, she needs a lot of help. If you're in the San Diego area, please reach out to me. There is an, a, an elderly woman who lost her husband, who lost her apartment, who had to give up her pet for adoption. And it's just been a horrifying series of events. And she's about to be evicted from her apartment, and she really needs help finding a place to stay. She's on a fixed income, uh, and, and nobody's paying attention, and nobody's doing anything to help. And this country's services are just not set up to help somebody with nobody to advocate for them. I'll continue. Today, the policies we see pushed by the ruling class are those that serve to maintain the system the way it is. This includes the lack of access to basic rights, rights that every human deserves. Like housing. Such as a healthcare system that actually mm -hmm. cares about health. More yeah. recently, the attacks on bodily autonomy, on trans people and queer people, and the attacks on access to reproductive rights show how little our society cares about the health and well-being of huge portions of the population. As yes, well as I the agree. attacks on body autonomy with vaccinations and COVID and all that stuff on top of that. And even Popo agrees. Know. Okay. Yes. Uh, these attacks mark a new phase in the rights effort to roll back everything from the right to an abortion to trans children's rights to a good education. And these attacks aren't going to end there. They will continue. They will continue because we live under a system of capitalism that sees each of our bodies as only as something to be controlled and exploited for the benefit of the capitalist class. Again, notice he does not distinguish between Democrats and Republicans. They're all right-wing and they're all capitalists. I want, I want to make that clear. He's not speaking specifically about Republicans. So under this system, our fundamental human rights do not matter. We're seeing how under capitalism, 
any right we win can be taken away at any moment. Because they're not really rights, they're temporary privileges, as, a, as the legend George Carlin astutely pointed out. Mike's section correct. here. The Democrats have only betrayed or only have only betrayed us. So the question is what to do about this. For some, the answer is just to elect more progressive politicians. For some, the question of how to get the healthcare system we need comes with the same answer. But I'm sorry to say that even the most progressive politicians today, as long as they're part of a capitalist party, serve the capitalist system. Our rights will never be won through appealing to capitalist politicians. Let's take one quick example like the fight for abortion. As we see access to abortion attacked by the right, let's remember that this is even possible because the Democrats, instead of codifying Roe when they had the opportunity after opportunity, decided to use this fundamental right as a bargaining chip to gain votes. And the Democratic Party has used similar tactics around healthcare system quote-unquote reform. Vote for us, they say, and maybe we'll help push through Medicare for all. Maybe we'll help we'll get you some to clean it up. Yeah, but they're not right, even like, promising that anymore. That's really just yeah. I mean, look, Nina Turner today, right. in expand Medicare, but not Medicare for all. I right. know she didn't have that to say. <clears throat> right. Maybe we will help get you some type of humane health care system. Well, you know what? We need to say fuck that. We can't let us capitalist system mm -hmm. hold our fundamental right to health care hostage any longer. No matter what fake progressive language that X or Y politician may use, we can't wait, ask, or expect capitalist politicians to give us the healthcare system we need. Whether it's the right to free, safe, legal abortion, or any right, we should take the examples of how others have mobilized around the globe to help guide us. In terms of the right to abortion in Argentina, for example, that right was won through fighting for it in the workplaces, communities, schools, and in the streets. We must do the same here. The Democratic Party yep. is not on our side. Yes. And it is not going to help us to get the health care system we need as a working class. This is the same party that helped uphold mm -hmm. a global capitalist system that created the COVID-19 pandemic that allowed the virus to spread and is now acting similarly as monkeypox spreads. Oh, okay, Mike. Yes. Okay, Mike. Somehow. The same party that continues to give more money to the racist, murderous institution of policing and to ICE, the same racist, murderous cops will be hunting down people for having illegal abortions, by the way, in the states where they make it illegal. The same party that right. continues to pass military budgets and expand the military-industrial complex, funding that then massively harms the health of people around the globe. And the Democratic Party continues to pass policies to put us on the path toward collapse and ecological destruction. We need to accept these facts and recognize how the party acts, not as the lesser, lesser of two evils, but as the graveyard of social movements, funneling the energy of movements right back into upholding the capitalist system. For example, it was the Democrats who funneled the energy of the Black Lives Matter movement right back into supporting electoral campaigns and funding cops. Or today, uh -huh. or today, as abortion rights are under attack, it uses feminism as a buzzword, leaving out the need for radical liberation, queer struggle and liberation. Racial and liberation. Did I say radical? I, I did, sorry. Racial liberation, queer struggle and liberation, and trans struggle and liberation, while telling us to simply keep our heads down and vote for them in the next election cycle. 
AKA is, virtue signaling. Correct. It's these failures yeah. of the Democratic Party that then helps create conditions in which the reactionary right can go on the offensive and embolden white supremacists enough to murder black people in churches or grocery stores. This is why both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party are parties of capital, parties that ultimately support and uphold a system hurting us all. Uh, some of those murders are also incited. Some of those murders are also incited by by the FBI to a point. Those guys are poked yeah, kind and of, prodded. But th that too. So, let me repeat. I mean, there's many branches of government. Yes, sir. So, let me repeat. Yep. Neither party, capital, will will ever get us what we need. Uh, our task should not be, should not only, should be not only blah, to organize ourselves to fight back against the right-wing assault on our rights, but also to overcome the obstacle of the Democratic Party. Yes. We won't win our rights because of capitalist politicians. We will win our rights despite capitalist politicians. He wants to make unions a threat again. Now, as workers, many of us may be part of unions or have friends or relatives in unions. Unions are supposed to be fighting organizations of the working class, but unions today far too often operate as top-down organizations not remotely controlled by the, by the rank-and-file workers. Our unions should be used as fighting organizations to mobilize workers in workplaces and demand our rights. But instead, it's more beneficial for our unions to sit and bargain over our shitty health care plans every contract cycle and just call it a win. Then we have to go out and beg for X, Y, or Z to be covered by parasitic insurance companies, hospitals, or clinics. <laughs> Keeping our right to health care limited to individual contract negotiations in workplaces also ends up, ironically, upholding the employment-based health care that keeps us controlled by and exploited by our bosses. Sorry, sir. <coughs> it keeps people questioning whether to fight know. back <laughs> keeps people questioning whether to fight back and potentially lose their job and health care for them or their family or stay quiet or and, be, and keep being treated like complete shit. If we want any right, whether that's the right to free, safe, legal abortion, the right to a safe workplace, the right to free universal health care for all, we must mobilize ourselves where we're strongest, and that is organizing as one working class. We have to organize not just in the streets, but in our workplaces where we wield our power most as a working class, fighting with our full power to get what we need. As Colin would say, you got to organize. Got to organize. Like, I forget Those his who, quote that he, he yeah, uses frequently, but... Got to organize. And I, I think can't remember what it was. I think it's Kwame Ture that he's quoting. Yeah, it's Kwame Ture, but it's, I'm, yeah, it's a, it's not organizing as good. That's... You know, but, but something more deep than that. Anyway. Th those who don't have a union should follow the lead of Starbucks workers, Amazon workers, and others and fight to unionize our workplaces. And if you do have a union, we have to take back our unions and make them fighting organizations again instead of tools of the Democratic Party. Amen. Yeah. We have to organize workplace committees and Democratic assemblies to decide what we want and how to fight for it. For example... We could have committees to organize workplaces to demand free, safe, legal abortion or to fight for a healthcare system that benefits us all. But to be clear, and this may be hard for some to hear, we need even more than national improved Medicare for all. 
It should be only the first smallest step. Under NIMA, many of the industries harming public well-being will still exist, and the capitalist system as a whole will still exist. We should fight for national improved Medicare for all, but then continue to fight for a universal health care system under worker control, a health care system in which parasitic insurance executives, farm executives, and healthcare company executives literally no longer exist to profit off our lives. A healthcare system in which every aspect of healthcare delivery is run by and for the working class to maintain the well-being of the public, not to maximize profit. But as we fight for a system that prioritizes health and well-being, we need to be clear. As long as capitalism continues to exist, we cannot have a society that fosters health or well-being. If our fight is only to reform or slightly improve healthcare, we will fail. A better healthcare system will not stop the economic system from harming us all and destroying the planet. Capitalism is a, is a disease that we must fight to eliminate from this planet altogether. And that fight will not be waged through either of the capitalist parties. Yes. Instead, that fight is in the hands of the working class. We need a party of the working class, not just here in the U.S., but a revolutionary party globally that can fight global capitalism and fight for socialism. Yep. Can't argue or with whatever any of that. other labelism. Well, I, I can argue with actually quite a bit There's of like that. Nine but, that would work better. But there, and again, I, I I think somebody said like you know he had a lot of good points and some things I disagree with, but um, organizing workplaces is hundred percent. Um. So, those are those are the yeah. stories that I that I picked this week. Um, nice. Again, talking about whistleblowers, talking about healthcare. There was one other story I I, I was thinking about covering, um, and when I'm prepping everything, I'm like, you know what? There's just too much. But it was about your form, your former governor and current senator Rick Scott and the monster that he is. And the fucking snake man. Yes. Lord Voldemort. Like a reptile creature. Literally yeah, Lord like... Voldemort. Um, he um, wants to, of course, eliminate in Social Security and Medicare entirely. So forget about Medicare for all. This douchebag doesn't want Medicare at all. So go read Lauren yep. Elizabeth's column on that when you get a chance. Um, now, uh, I don't have the ability to screw around with the sound so i'm gonna blast your ears and actually it's kind of funny when i edit this up and i kind of cut up for the audio i know exactly when boats is about to start because it blows out the audio <laughs> at that point mm -hmm. and i have to apologize yep. to everybody uh in advance because i don't even know where the boats um thing goes we can, but I will, the audio is i will try to turn that down when, when when I do it, uh, and I think so. Let's see who else. Anybody else have anything that I want to put up here? Baba Yaga, what's up, Baba? Community is the nemesis of corporation of corporatism, a hundred percent. E Heller, yes. And the quote from Congress into uh, a volcano. Colin is organizing is eternal, mm -hmm. right? Something like that. I, like I forgot it. He just said it, and then I forgot it. Um. Okay, Baba, you that, right? you like this article? I will drop a link to this article uh, from Mike at Left Voice. But Parody you know what? 
already before, sent it. I just remembered before we go to bo boats, uh, there's one other thing I did want to show. Uh, let me escape out of that and go to my tweeters. Go to the tweeter. All right. Now, let me go back to Indie Main for one second. Savage Joy. Bless right, you, Savage Joy. Second. What? 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 Bless Sorry. You. I, I said you were only there for a second. You, know? you were only there for a second. Slideshow off. Okay. I want. I want to make this bigger because this is big. All right. And let's turn off Baba Yaga and let everybody see this. All right. Savage Joy organized the March for Medicare for All along with some other phenomenal organizers. And I don't want to just put Savage Joy out there and credit her, but she did take a lot of these pictures and did organize a lot of the events. And mm -hmm. uh, again, Vegan Succubus, at Vegan Succubus, Anita Guillotine, at Ricky Rance, uh, and many, many others that I, many, many others. I sound like the guy from Police Academy now, Eric Lassard or whatever his name was. Um, but I'm going to drop this link also in the chat if we haven't already, and you can go and retweet these for our friend Savage Joy, but yes, we're belaying the boats for a second because I do want to cover a little bit more of the March of Medicare for All actions that did happen because they, for, they spent a week and six days in DC covering direct action, mutual aid, public disturbances, zombies on Capitol Hill, protests at Nancy Pelosi's home, the march itself, a rally, and more. All right, they're passionate volunteers from across the country, 100% grassroots, 100% volunteer, 100% funded by the people. All right, so they hung this sign right outside, right across the street from the insurance companies, U.S. healthcare equals murder for profit, politicians are complicit, which is badass. All right. Day two in the afternoon, they did stickering and chalking down in downtown D.C. Stop watching the mainstream media. And they lie to you. Yay. Health insurance is a scam. Hell yeah. So they were chalking. Then in the evening, they protested Pelosi's house. Look at Savage out there. And there's Ricky over there. And there's some of the other amazing protesters that were out and activists. And you've got them on the on the mall. This is outside that looks like the Jefferson Memorial, maybe. I'm not sure which one that is. Uh, bougie Shopping Plaza, apparently. Okay, per our signs, bullhorns, and lack of wealth, the cops were called. But yes, we stayed until we finished our speeches anyway. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. So day three, they were zombies on Capitol Hill. And they dressed up in grave signs. How they died. There's Keisha and Courtney. There's your bank sisters. Yeah, them at the marches. Yes. Great activist ladies, organizers. There's the organizers up on stage, your yellow vests. We've got Jeff Ginter, and I'm sure somewhere along that up there, you've got, uh, look, they had uh, uh, sign language interpreters the entire time. You had the Reverend Annie Chambers, former Black Panther. You had all the real progressives, and they're all, they've all got their March for Medicare for All t-shirts on. Day five, mutual aid. All right, there's, there's a Feeney. So they, they joined up with Freedom, uh, Freedom Fighters DC, and they were giving out food. 
Okay. Yeah. At M4, M4 all. <clears throat> a volunteer-led yeah, I mean, grassroots point, movement. Single-payer, single-payer anything. Like, I'm down for. So The article that I just know. went through was a speech that was given at one of the events that happened during this week of action in Washington, D.C. Yeah. And who was that by again? That was from Mike Pappas. Mike, Mike, Mike Pappas from Left Voice, um, who is not I'd, I'd there. love to get that guy's number, um, bring him on with, uh, well, you know, um, Steve Poikin and myself um, to talk about, uh, Steve wants to come on Reefer After Dark and talk about psilocybin and capitalism's evil hand in that. Um, so I know, I know Steve hates capitalism. Well, no. well, well, I think it's, you know, fucking terrible to expect that yeah. the government is actually going to manage health care. Well, mm, look yeah. what they've done with COVID the last two years. I shout out to Steve. Shout out to our friend Steve. Ass. Wow. This is just since the, the stream started 19 and well, 19 and six. Good job, guys. All right, thanks everyone. Yeah. All right, now I'm gonna go back to Indian Reef, the Bong Father. Nice. All right. I think I liked it better being blind when I couldn't read between the lines and when I couldn't see the cracks in the structure that lay bare before me the whole time. I think I liked it better back when I. Suspended disbelief and swallowed pride I thought I knew the difference in the red from the blue But they both bleed us so dry They both bleed us so dry My favorite songs don't hit the same way I get to the end of a four minute track And I'm only looking back thinking What did they actually say? So I try to... If you like this podcast... Please help our show grow by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. For more content, you can follow Independent Left News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at INDLeftNews and subscribe to our YouTube channel. To get news updates twice a day to your inbox, subscribe via email on the independentleft.news website. Join our Jetstream 24-7 News and Opinion Discord at independentleft.gg with more than 50 channels, each dedicated to a different outlet, journalist, YouTuber, or political comedian. Thanks, everyone. Remember to check out independentleft.news in your browser and subscribe to our podcast for news updates.